I just want to take a few moments today just to kick off this series I've been telling you about that I'm so fired up over and excited about, and it's entitled Shift. Everyone say Shift. And it's Shift, and today I'm talking to you about getting unstuck. Because when I was studying and preparing for this, one of the things that God really spoke just in my heart is that there's just so many children of God that are stuck, and there's so many unbelievers who are stuck. What are you talking about stuck? I'm talking about being stuck in past relationships or current relationships that are a mess, being stuck in a, with a physical, you know, disease, being stuck with financial hardship, being stuck in circumstances that are painful, that are relentless, that just don't let up, but just stay after you. And that's what happens when we get stuck in the things of this world. And I shared a little bit of a story last week, and I'll share it with you again this week. And it was a spiritual mentor, spiritual teacher, and he had his uh, student, and, and he had taken his student out to kind of a desertous area. And he said, I want to teach you a principle today. He said, turn around and face this direction. So he said, okay, yes, sir. And he turned around and faced. He said, now I want you to not look, but I want you to walk backward and reach a certain distance. And I'll tell you when you're there, but just keep walking no matter what happens. So as this young man's walking, all of a sudden he hits a bush and he falls. He gets up, he hits an uneven spot, and he falls. I mean, by the time he's getting up a few steps, he sinks in the sand, he falls. And finally, this master, this teacher, he let it go on for a while, and then he said, that's enough, that's enough. And he said, uh, come on, and he helped him up. And he said, oh, I could have told you that's enough. Oh, man. And he said, well, it's very important. I, I want you to realize a truth here. And, and when you get this, it'll change your life forever. And he said, well, well, what is that? He said, what is this principle? He said, always remember this. God created your face, right? Yeah. And he, where did he put your eyes? He didn't put them in the back of your head or the side of your head, right? He put your eyes in the front of your face. Why? Because he put your feet pointing in the same direction your eyes are. So he says, whenever you make a decision to look and fix your eyes on something, and you begin to take steps to walk toward it, that's where you will end up. And what I want you to realize today, that whatever has our attention, and we begin to think about it and get fixated on it, and we begin to take steps toward it, that will become our destiny. You see, God created every one of you and I with a destiny. And a destiny is basically a destination. It is where we're to end up, right? And if we don't want to end up in the wrong destination or to fulfill the destiny God has for our lives, then we need to make sure our eyes are fixed on the prize. We need to make sure our eyes are fixed on where we want to end up. You know, the first scripture I used 18 years ago when Pastor Steph and I planted Bethel way over there on Alexandria Drive in the back of a little building, and um, it was Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, my people perish, but happy is he that keeps my law, my ways, my truth. Another translation says, where there is no vision, my people cast off all restraint. And what's so sad to me when I see people are stuck Stuck in the past, stuck in their now, in their present, what's going on, stuck in their career, stuck in their finances, stuck in religion, stuck in, in family, just find ourselves stuck 
And it just breaks my heart because I have been stuck so many times and I'm, I know that I'll be stuck again in the near future. But one thing you learn when you get a little older is you learn, hopefully you do, how to get unstuck sooner, right? You see, when you're stuck in life, you got to realize that it's usually based on selfishness. It's usually based on self-interest. It's usually based on being self-centered. You know, man, I feel awful today, like no one else feels bad. Oh, man, you don't know what, I, what I'm going through. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not, I'm going through three times longer than you. I, I used to, when I was graduating from college, and I was a youth pastor at a pretty large school and, and a church, and, and then I would, you know, I'd have to counsel a lot of my students and college students at the time, and, and I'm not the best counselor, you know, because I'm kind of like, just stop it, just, just stop it. Let's pray. Stop it. Let's just pray. And so they, you know, they figured out after a couple of years, let's, let's get one of his assistants to do that. He loves them. He'll pray for them. He'll hang out with them. But, you know, he don't play around with that stuff. So, so, he, uh, so I was listening to this one student. He's talking about he owed like, you know, seven, $800 on a credit card. And he's I'm like, man, I wanted to say, stop it. Let me tell you what I owe. I went bankrupt in a coal mine and stepped out on way less than zero and I owe hundreds of thousands of dollars to the IRS and I'm counseling you over 700 bucks? Stop it! But what would that have done to him? Right? You see, because we're not here for ourselves. We're here for others. And anytime you're stuck, you're focused on yourself or your self-interest. And if you want to get unstuck, you got to do what Jesus taught us. Remember, he fixed his eyes, we talked about it last week, what? On Jerusalem. And as he fixed his eyes on Jerusalem, that was his destiny. He knew that he had to go suffer. He told his, his, his disciples at least three times, just shortly before he went, that he had to suffer and he had to die so he could raise again to pay for our sin. And they were like, no, no, you can't do that. They were trying to talk him out of his destiny. You see, whenever we get our eyes off focus, see, sometimes you can be walking and you can have your eyes fixed and you get it, and then all of a sudden something distracts you and you'll, you'll get going again and some, or you'll be walking forward and you start, Whoa. you see, what I want you to realize, whatever pain you're in, you're in because you're fixed, your eyes are fixed on your now or your yesterday. Pain can only be in your past or your present. There's no pain in your forever. There's no pain in your future. You see, whenever we get our eyes fixed on Christ, we win. When we become sons and daughters of Christ, we can't lose. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Which Lord will you be present with when you take your last breath? The God of this world or the God of heaven and everything? Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords and his Father. Who are you going to be with? So whenever we get our eyes fixed, make sure your eyes are fixed on your ultimate destination. Say, yeah, though, but how am I going to do all my cool things that God called me to do? Look what Jesus did during the journey. Blind Bartimaeus was healed on Jesus' way to Jerusalem. Lazarus was raised from the tomb four days later on Jesus' way back to Jerusalem. You see, everything that was significant in Jesus' life happened while he was preparing or on his way to his destiny. Your life is not a destiny, that's a location. Your life is a journey.
And when the journey ends, you end and you end up wherever you've been looking. So it's important for us to understand that principle that God put my eyes on my face so they could point in the direction of where my feet are supposed to follow and wherever I look is where I will end up. And if I would begin to live in that, knowing that even if I had a disease and died, I just win anyway, because to be absent from this body, I'll be present with the Lord. I mean, I can't lose if I live long, I can't lose. If I die, I can't lose. Why? Because the end of the book says I win. The only way I'm going to lose is if I'm not a son of God, if I'm not a child of God. Because at that point, I have to live with the God of this earth, Satan. And we know the end of the book says he is in a pit of Hades or hell forever. And I don't want to be there because it wasn't made for me anyway. It's made for fallen angels. So don't let me get too far off track, but let me say this to you. Where you look is where you will end up. You see, disciples, what I want you to know today too is this. This is a real key thought and it helps keep me on track for you and I I just want to give you this what I want you to know is we must make a decision to be unselfish to be unstuck we must make a decision to be unselfish to be unstuck what are you saying preacher well Jesus made it really clear the Pharisees and others were asking him what's the most important commandment trying to trick him right and Jesus said well that's easy Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second is equal to it, and it is love your neighbor, you know, as you would your friend Julio over here, or your your buddy John, I don't know. No, love your neighbor as yourself. That's creepy. I mean, do you love anybody as much as you love you? Come on now. How much time you spend in front of that mirror? If you're my age, you're counting hairs and hope you have a few, but, you know, some of y'all, yeah. See, we get stuck when we are not in this thing for him or for others. Shh, let me help you. I know it's a shock to you. Come real closer here. This isn't about you. It's about them. It's about those you haven't met yet. It's about generations to come. It's not about me. It's not about you. If you're a child of God, it's not about you. Now, five other people in here, it was about them because they gave their life to Christ in the first service. Amen? So it's about them. What do we do when people do that around here, church? I don't know. What do we do? So it's about them, right? So it could be about some of you today that are in here. Other than that, it's not. It's about God or it's about others. And if I want to come out of being stuck... I can always tell when it's getting sticky and I'm getting petty and it's not going my way and I'm trying to get out of something or something I said or something I feel like I want. Okay, Lord, I repent. Yes, Lord. Let me, my eyes back on you. Get my eyes back to true north, to my relationship with you because we're in this forever. And when we begin to understand that, guys, it moves us to such a safe place with God. It moves us to a place where healing is easier and deliverance and and love and forgiveness and all those things are so much easier when we love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourselves. Even if they don't look like us or talk like us or think like us or even if they don't like us, we're only required to love people as they are, not as they should be. 
That's why our statement is why Bethel's a place where we belong, believe, become, and build. It's a place where we belong, where we're loved and accepted just as we are. Place where we believe in Jesus and his word. Place where we become who God designed us to be, his purpose, his destiny. A place where we build the kingdom of God together. Because it's not about us, it's about others. So if we find ourselves stuck, then we got to realize that our life's not about failed relationships. Our life's not just about poor financial decisions and consequences of character decisions. Those things happen and we must repent. But what we got to realize is, guys, stuff happens. You live in a cursed world and take responsibility and deal with it and then get your eyes fixed on your Jerusalem. Get your eyes fixed on your King of Kings. Get your eyes fixed on Him and forget about what people say about you because they were cheering Jesus on at the beginning of the week, right? Palm Sunday, the palms, tens of thousands, actually over a hundred thousand worshiping and dancing and partying and at the end of the week, the same ones that were saying, yeah, 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 cool, kill, 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 kill. Don't let the crowd rule your life. Don't even let the things you see determine your destiny. Make sure you are the one in control of your destiny that you give it to God. Amen? And then quickly, I want to move to one more illustration, and then we'll pray. And this is someone I've been talking about a lot lately is Joseph. And you can turn to Genesis 41. I just want to have a few minutes to get into this with you. Genesis 41. And the solution is really the same thing. You've got to decide to shift your vision to loving God and loving people if you don't want to be stuck. And Joseph is such a great illustration of that. We see Joseph where that, uh, I'm getting ready to read to you about where God has given Pharaoh, Pharaoh a dream. Well, I thought God gave Joseph a dream. He did. His dream was standing in front of the people and everybody worshiping him and him being the answer to the nations, even his own family bowed down worshiping. It was awesome. Listen, the dream got Joseph through the famine. You see, whenever you're in a pit, feast on the dream. Whenever you're in slavery, feast on the dream. Whenever you're in jail, feast on the dream. Because if you'll feast on the dream, sooner or later you'll end up in the destiny, the place God wants you to be because he can trust you with the dream. See, we feast on now. And yesterday, but God said, no, no, feast on, feast on forever, feast on the dream. So here God messes with everybody and he gives this heathen leader, Pharaoh, who also is not only a heathen, but the entire nation, the Egyptian nation is, is heathen. No, no, they're, not, they're not worshiping Jehovah. They're not serving God. They're against him. They're fighting God. But here, Joseph's destiny is tied to the dream of a heathen. You see, and the shift that we learn, because this series is all about a shift, the shift we learn, we learn from Pharaoh that there's only certain things that can be handled or dealt with by children of God. Now, you, you didn't get that. I'll just go home. There's only certain things that can be handled or dealt with by sons and daughters of God. We've been uniquely equipped. We've been uniquely designed before the foundation of the world. We have been infilled and empowered and released to do, to conquer, to establish the kingdom of God 
even the enemies of God know sometimes they got to have the children of God on their side to win. Temporarily, of course. And we see that here. Look with me. So I read about eight verses to you and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Genesis 1, begin, 41, beginning in verse 8. In the morning, his or Pharaoh's mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh then told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, so you're getting ready to repent now. Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. No, you just got caught. Your buddy, the baker, got killed, and you don't want to be killed like the baker. <clears throat> That's all. Pharaoh was once an angry, angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that same night. Look at it. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Isn't it interesting, the two people that betrayed Joseph even in jail, their dreams are used too. Verse 12, now a young Hebrew, being Joseph, was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. He's hanging out, he ain't in the pit no more, he's hanging out with the jailer, man. He's living in the good place, just serving the man, right? We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. So Pharaoh, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought him, brought him out of the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Sometimes you, you're frustrated because you're not in that spot you need to be. It's just time to get cleaned up. You got to clean up, get cleaned up before you step totally in your destiny. What is that? Preparation, readiness, preparedness. It says, but I, he said, uh, then Pharaoh says in verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one interpreted it. But I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Hmm. I cannot do it, said Joseph. Wait, man, that's not what you do, brother. You know, he just killed the last 10 dudes that said they couldn't do it. But see, Joseph had already gotten over his fear of man. He said, uh, but God, so you got to get to that place in your life, but God. Well, they hate me, but God. Oh, I got that bad diagnosis, but God. What am I going to do about tuition, but God? But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph knew. He, he's, he's been entrusted in the pit, the palace, the jail. I mean, Joseph is over whatever man can do to him because God always brings him through. And Pharaoh is like, I have no resources. I have no one to interpret this dream. But it is interesting that he is the one that had the dream, right? Now, he must go to prison because that's where Joseph is, the Hebrew boy is, and to bring out Joseph because Joseph has a gift. Oh, man, I'd like to spend about two weeks with you right here. Joseph has a gift to interpret dreams. He had other gifts of, 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 of leadership and other things, but he had a gift of interpreting dreams. A gift, a spiritual gift from God means it's his gift, not yours, and Joseph knew that. He just uses it through you. So he had a gift 
from God. You see, this tells us something. Joseph's gift was not for Joseph. It was for those far away from God. Joseph's gift not only blessed a heathen Pharaoh and a heathen nation, those gifts blessed his own family during the famine when they came and they were starving to death. It's a two-edged sword. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is for God and your gift is for others. That's why we get stuck because we're so good with our gift and I get applause and I get pats on the back and I get smiles and free stuff and encouragement and raises and I get ready. The pit's just around the corner. You enjoying that palace too much, girl. You like it. Hey boy, you like that palace. You like that fine linen. You getting ready to get that dusty floor. I mean, if, if things didn't move like that, once Joseph came out of his dad's house and went into the pit, came out, went to the palace, why would he be out of the palace and in the jail? And now he's out of the jail and he's going to be the second most powerful man in the universe, the world. Because he had his eyes on where he was going. He knew where his destination was, his destiny. What are you saying, preacher? Your gift will get you out. Your gift will get you out of your prison. Your gift will get you out of your stuff, your junk. If you realize and humble yourself and use that gift for God and for others. If not, you are a train wreck that has happened, will happen, and will happen more. Because your gift is attached to your destiny, what you were designed and purposed to be and to do. You see, Joseph, if there had been no famine, no problem, God would not have created Joseph. Joseph was the solution to the famine. The famine was Pharaoh's. Joseph was a solution to Pharaoh's problem. You are a solution to problems. And if you want to know your destiny, serve other people humbly and in courage and love and serve God with all of your heart and your gift will be revealed at a higher level and, and your influence will become greater and higher because it's not you. You're pointing to God and to humanity. And when you do that, nothing can take you off the track of your destiny. Shh, shh, your gift isn't for you. Or you, or you, or you, or you. Your gift is for God and others. And when you start getting sticky and you get offended, first of all, I didn't know dead people got offended. Did you miss Gwen? I didn't, I didn't. I know that Jesus said, be not easily offended because he knew, knows we're not perfect. But if we're born again and we say the word much, we know that we will be offended on occasion. But at least make it hard. Don't get offended over just anything. I mean, make it something really good if you're going to be offended. And then repent before the sunset goes down or you commit murder or anything else because then you go to jail. So that's not good. So, so repent quickly and realize that, man, I must really be blessed because I'm having the opportunity to be offended a lot. Because offense is sticky. 
Hey, how you doing? I'll, I'll, go, I'll be right there. Well, no, 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 you won't because your gift is locked up because you're stuck. I want to go with them. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not you. Why? Oh, Lord, come on. Why don't I get that opportunity? God, why don't I get that financial breakthrough? Oh, Lord. Because you're stuck. Because all you see is what's around you. I, me, I, me, 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 me. Ugh. We're to be dead in Christ. We're to be dead in Christ and alive in him. We're, we're, when you're a child of God, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. You can't be stuck to your past unless you're looking at it. If I'm looking and this is my past, I could miss my past. I could go around. I can dance, go back, hey, past. But if I'm going like this, you know, I'm going so good. Everything's working out. It's so, he's so cool. She's so cool. I love the ministry. I love everything's so cool. God is so cool. I'm kind of upset and... I don't know. I'm lonely. You're lonely because the people you were walking with kept walking toward where they're looking and you stopped because you can't see them because you're closer to your past. Wait. Why are they going? If they wait on you, they're going to miss their destiny. But the cool thing about God, he can accelerate you to where you need to be if you'll get unstuck. But no one can get you unstuck but you. And that's the key. Anytime God opens a door that makes no sense at all, just remember he has a strategy that you don't know about. I know it's a shock, but let me tell you, he is God and you're not. I'm not. I just said, no, Lord, that just doesn't work for me. That doesn't fit my schedule, God. You said I'd be doing this for you, and it doesn't fit my... Dead people don't have schedules. They just get rowed where they need to go. You seem to let God row you where you need to go, take your steps, and serve. Yeah, but I thought I'd be up there. That's so Joseph, but he was down there. When you don't care about being up there, he can have you up there. But not until you... If you're caring about this, you... If you do, you won't last long because it's messy up here. People, I just want to preach. I want to be a pastor. You've been a pastor all these years. And look, you, all these things you get to be a part of. And everybody, you go to places and they know you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you only got to see about a week of what I have to pray through and deal with, my family has to pray through and deal with, and we have to stand. You, you, you think this is, you're, you're like that college with $700 debt, and I'm like $700,000 debt. You, you, you just don't understand. The key is, are you looking at your debt, your past, or are you looking at your forever? That's the key. Because if you look at your current problem or your past problem, now you deal with it, you handle things, but if you're focused on that versus your destiny, you'll be stuck. Let me, let me wrap up here. Luke 16, 12 says, And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Pastor, you know, I just really feel I'm ready for leadership. Oh, you're ready for a ship, but not leading, I don't think. I mean, 
I can get you on a ship and sell you to the next church and pray for them on your way while you're almost there. And Lord, let them live. Don't uh... I love people. Really, I do. But I am one, so I know how we think. And that's what scares me. Because what I want you to realize is when you ask for responsibility, if responsibility is given to you, someone had to own it. And if they give you a responsibility, you honor them well because you have an opportunity to receive something they earned and cut it off and gave it to you. Oh, well, that's just greedy out front. Well, if Miss Megan earned that responsibility and her team earned that responsibility and they give you a piece of that and you can't respect that, don't think about the next thing you're looking for. Same way with the prayer team with Miss Gwen. Well, I mean, I pray, but I don't know about that Saturday at noon. Every Saturday at noon. Every Saturday. 52 Saturdays a year. Yeah, and some other days too, but every, every Saturday at noon, right? Here. And praying for who? I mean, aren't we laying hands on each other or something? I mean, I got some things I need. No, we're just praying for Sunday and the pastor and the leadership and the worship. And I don't know if I could do that. I mean, if I'm going to spend an hour or two to pray every week, I should just pray for me. You're stuck. You're stuck. See, if I'm going to not handle well what someone else blesses me with, why would someone else give me anything else? Shh, shh, may I help you, may I help you. It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about him and broken, hurting people. Oh, okay. I thought ministry was fun and church was supposed to, you know, be a place to get away from gossip. But you're here. Get away from false accusations. But you're here. And you're human. And there will be lying in a church. There will be gossiping in a church. There'll be celebration in a church. There'll be crying for good things in church and crying over bad things in church. Why? Because people are here and we're messy. But God loves us. And we should love each other. Right? Anytime I'm self-centered, I'm stuck. I just don't feel like I'm moving forward. You're not. You're stuck. So here's what I end with as we pray. Joseph taught us if we can be unselfish and even prophesy to people that betray us. Judas kiss, I preached to you on Palm Sunday. Judas kiss. Jesus called Judas by name into his ministry and inner circle. He was the treasurer. He was honored. And Jesus knew he was a son of perdition. That meant that he'd already sold his soul long before the silver and that he was going to be the one to give him the kiss of betrayal. But Jesus, who had just called Peter, wow, you're amazing. You know I'm the son of God. Only my father in heaven should know, can know that. You're Peter. You're the rock, man. I'm going to build my church on you. This is all gates of hell. I'm proof against it, Peter. You're amazing, dude. You're my example. And a few verses later, I rebuke you, Satan. For you are trying to stop me or hinder my work. Yeah, but I'm Peter. No, not right now you're not. Judas, 
kisses him at communion and says, at the dinner, dinner last supper, and says, uh, go do what you got to do. If Pharaoh, if Joseph needs Pharaoh to find his destiny and fulfill it, what's the difference with Jesus needing Judas to fulfill his destiny? Because Judas kicked everything into action, the betrayal, the, the, the court deal. The, the, the beatings, the cross. If none of that happened and he hadn't died, he couldn't raise from the dead. So you're over here whining because people don't like you? Celebrate it! People lie on you all the time. People gossip about you? Sure, why not? What, what do you think about it? I love him anyway. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't respect them. That doesn't mean I respect them. I can honor them. See, honor is given... Respect is earned. I can honor you and love you because you're a human and God loves you, so I love you. But I don't have to respect you or trust you. But I can love you and honor you. That's given. So what I want to say to you is, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get lied on. You're going to get backstabbed. You're going to get double-crossed. You're, you're going to get blessed. You're going to have fun. Good things and all that stuff happens. It's life. Live it in a cursed world. Till you reach your destination. So today as we get ready to pray, I want you to make this decision. Decide to make the decision to be unselfish and to get unstuck. How do I do that? By getting my look, my gaze off of me and my stuff or on who, where the pain is and get my eyes on him and on others. And if I will do that, everything will work out. But if I don't do that, I'll just... Stay stuck. I want to pray for you if you would spy your heads. And sorry, I went a few minutes over, but um, there's some in here today, just like the first service. And I'm thankful, man. I'm concerned when people are not here that are far away from Christ or have never known Christ, and you're just stuck, man. I mean. It's your choice. It's your decision. Jesus finished the work. It's up to us to accept him into our hearts and confess him as Lord and Savior. It's up to us to forgive. It's up to us to repent. So I want to ask you, maybe you've never known Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've known him and somewhere along the way you got stuck. You just got so far away from him now, you don't even know. If you, if you die today, you don't even know if you go to heaven. That's a scary place to be. There was five other people in the first service, and I believe there's that many or more in this service that you just need to get unstuck. You just need to know that you know you're born again. You, you need to know that you know. You need to, whether it's your first time or your fifth time, get all in and be unselfish and say, I missed it. Even though other people may have missed it, take the responsibility. Finish it, receive it. Because Jesus took all of ours on him. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment, I'm going to just count to three and ask you to raise your hand. And I just want to pray for you right where you're at. That you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. No excuses, no problems. Just, just yeah, thank you. Keep that hand up, sweetheart. Hands are already going up. Why? Because, man, this is real, dude. You're, you're talking to a guy that totaled three cars before he's 21 and parted out two colleges. And here I am all these years later. And it wasn't because I was any more special than anybody else. I was just not very smart, but smart enough to 
submit and say, okay, Lord, use me. And that's what he wants to do, just like he does with this gentleman back here. He wants to do that with you today. So I'm going to count to three, just like this gentleman's leading the pack right now. And if you want to give your life to Christ, we're going to pray. And it's, it's, it's that simple, man. It's that simple right now. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you want to get unstuck. You want to give your life to Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank. Keep it up if you don't mind. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, ma'am, back there. Others, others. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, another lady back there. Seven so far up here. Did you get this person up here, David? Seven people over here, all the way in this corner. Did you get that person? I want to make sure we got everybody. We got seven all the way up. This gentleman over here. Did you get this gentleman way over here? So that's eight. Okay, eight. What do we do when eight people want to get their lives Come on. I want to ask all eight of you, if you don't mind, no way looking around. You all just look down and pray. We're going to pray. But let's just stand up to say, I'm proud to receive Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Just on the count of three, do it. One, two, three. Just stand up. Just come on. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Stand up. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Man, I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to deny him before my father. He's not going to deny me. Man, I want all of us now to raise our hands with these standing. Let's all pray this. And you you folks pray this too. You eight standing right now. Maybe you're online. You can pray it with us. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you came, lived, and rose from the dead on the third day. That you're at the right hand of the Father. Lord, I repent of my sin. I give it all to you. Dear Jesus, Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Because I believe with all my heart you have risen and you are Lord of all. Satan, I'm no longer your property. I'm born again in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I am blood-bought. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, give God a big shout for these brave, brave, brave people.